This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. All right, everybody. It's about that time. 1 p.m. on the nose, live on YouTube, getting ready for your afternoon podcast feed for the drive home after work. It's episode two of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with myself, Andrew Patterson, and Michael Remus. We've got a big show coming up today. Really excited for this one. Frank Saravelli, great friend of ours for many years back in our TSN days, is going to join us today. We'll talk Jets Leafs. Big game tonight, kicking off a three-game set in Toronto with the Jets taking on the North Division's number one team. We'll get to the NHL trade deadline thoughts. Uh, Sutter and Calgary getting going this week and much more with Frank. Frank will be up in about half an hour. And before then, the return of one of the most popular voices in 1290 history, our very good friend, Matt Leibel, who uh, is going to join us, the sports rabbi himself. We'll talk Jets. I'm sure he's excited about the upcoming Blue Jays season. I know he'll have a hot take on Dak Prescott's contract extension with the Dallas Cowboys. So we'll have lots of fun with Matt Leibel coming up. Um, Let's get right to it and bring in Michael Remus on the program. Remo? Uh, we got through yesterday's program. Um, I did. I take some responsibility for jinxing the technical prowess that we had going on because um, anyone that was watching yesterday knew that I basically teed you up to talk about how you know we're turning into internet guys, and you had you know 25 seconds of great takes that were heard by nobody because the mic's on. First of all, test that thing. Is the mic on today? Yeah. It, yes. it appears to be on. It appears to be on. And, uh, yeah, that was, uh, you know, I'm getting known as now the guy who didn't have my mic on in the first show at the end. And I'm okay with that. You know, you look at the, uh, you know, after a stream on YouTube, it shows you a graph of when everyone's chatting. The chats were pretty steady, the whole thing. And hi, everyone in chat. I see you in there. Um, They're pretty steady. And then there was a massive spike near the end. (laughs) And I can only think that's good for where we show up on the YouTube search results. So I think that's actually a good thing that my mic wasn't on. I spiked the chat, and uh, now we're ranking higher when you search for stuff like Winnipeg Jets. So uh, look, that was the first show. I had never done anything on YouTube, so I didn't even know how to go live. And uh, here we are with a great show. And uh, thank you, everyone everyone in chat uh, who's in there. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, that was ne- that was next level SEO strategy yeah. is what it was. And, it was it, um, yeah, it was. You know, you definitely don't need to wait for Remo's mic not to work to fire something in the chat. I will say, yesterday I was kind of solely focused on, you know, making sure we were getting everything done properly. But we will definitely have some time to. Uh, we'll definitely have some more time to check out the chat. Uh, was just overwhelmed with how many people popped in live on the program. And then, uh, Reem, I know all night we were hearing people that, for the first time, loaded a podcast onto their phone and listened to it in their car. And I knew that, you know, educating people would be a a little bit of the challenge as we got going right off the bat. Uh, But so far, so good. Uh, A lot of new podcast listeners, a lot of people that, you know, normally consumed us in a different way, joining us either on YouTube or in the afternoon ride after 3 p.m. when those podcasts are loaded. And uh, we continue to grow. We've smashed 2,000 YouTube subs. I think we're approaching 2,500. The podcast numbers keep going up. I'm not sure whether we're still number one in Canada, but I screenshotted that, so that all counts. I mean, we'll always have that picture from yesterday when we debuted the program. Yeah, I think we were number one among sports podcasts, ahead of some really notable 
uh, names who I've a lot of respect for. N- uh, number one in hockey podcasts in Canada. And also, I think it was like 25 among all podcasts. According to Chartable.com, we might have to look into how they calculate these things because we hadn't even. I'll tell you how they calculate it. Yeah. They calculate it correctly. That's how they do it. That is the that is the Bible, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. The one that has Winnipeg Sports Talk at number one, the Bible of the industry. We just look at that and then we move on and get down to business. Speaking yeah. of getting down to business, I know we're gonna have Matt Libel coming in. Um, let's get right to it. Three in a row for the Jets going up against the Toronto Maple Leafs. We, I was talking to Dustin Nielsen earlier today on the lock shop, and it's almost deja vu of a team that had been playing well, that been winning some games, going up against the team that is right now the measuring stick in this division. It did not go well for Edmonton. They scored one goal in three oh, yeah. games against Toronto. They got shut out by Jack Campbell. They got shut out by Hutch. And then they scored one measly goal against Freddie Anderson and got outscored 13-1 to in the series. Certainly the Winnipeg Jets are going to be looking to avoid that. And... As we'll talk with Matt and Frank a little later on, you know, it, you know, the one thing I think Jet fans can, you know, feel optimistic about going into tonight's game is the fact that, you know, coming off a regulation loss, the Winnipeg Jets are 6-0-1 and have played quite well. They have not got into any extended losing streaks. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about three-point games and getting to overtime. The Jets have done that well so far this year. Um, but I know that after the stinker that happened in Montreal on Saturday night, this is going to be a team that is going to look to show uh, themselves much better in a big challenge up against the uh, Leafs. Yeah, Hellbuck, we know he's very good after a loss. He got pulled on Saturday. I think this is just some you know big strategy here by the Jets. You know, Get blown out on Saturday. Uh, get that internal motivation not to have it happen again. You're playing against the top team in your division in Toronto. Uh, so uh, they're going to want to you know, put that uh, bad taste out of their mouth. I'm expecting them to come fired up. Uh, they know it's going to be a tough test. So uh, three great games here. We haven't seen the Jets play Toronto since the beginning of the season. Uh, we know Toronto is the pace leader uh, for this division. They were the favorite coming in. The Jets were down there maybe a bit more than, uh, than we thought, but I think these teams are, are definitely comparable. And uh, let's see. We know we've seen a lot of the Jets against Vancouver and Ottawa. Uh, you know, in Montreal more recently, but let's see them against the top team. How are they going to do? And I, I expect them to fare uh, quite well, assuming it's not, you know, a total stinker uh, like Saturday, but we haven't had too many of those, so I have no reason to think yeah, that Yeah, no, I don't think that'll be the case. I mean, you know what? I mean, if you want to talk about a stinker with the Jets against the Leafs, I mean, you have to go back to that first week of the season and the Jets' lone game in Toronto this season for, you know, one of the um, more underwhelming performances of the year by the hockey club. And uh, you know, going to Toronto, even without fans, I think for certainly the guys that are from that area, especially a guy like Mark Shifley, it is a special game. I mean, they really do want to show well. And, you know, there's a lot of players on the Winnipeg Jets. And we've heard them say before that, you know, sometimes this team is overlooked. They don't maybe get the attention that others do being in the smallest market in the league. Well, if you want to let people know that you're a good hockey club, you got a pretty good opportunity to do that going into Toronto to play against the team that has set the bar so far this season in the North Division. Yeah, and I love um, when the Jets play against Toronto. I love how you know the Leafs get all this media attention, and finally it seems like more people are realizing that the Jets are actually a very good hockey team. You see a lot of the tweets from you know national media members uh, talking about the Jets' talent. And then when the Jets beat Toronto... Um, it's always from you know the Toronto fans at hashtag TML talk or whatever. Oh, how did how did we lose to the Jets or something like that? So I do get fired up against these these games against Toronto three coming up. I think it's exciting. 
I'm excited for uh, you know the broadcast and the attention. Uh, they are big games. I mean, two of you know maybe a one and two in the division. How is that? How they're going to finish? We'll have to wait and see. But uh, definitely contenders for that North Division title. Sorry, Scotia North. Well, I mean, Scotia North. Yeah, got to make sure Scotia you get North. it. In there. We, don't, we, we don't need to. We're not getting a check from Scotia. I'm not sure that that's too important that we refer to it as the Scotia North Division. I still like to call it the Canadian Division. To be honest with you, um, you know, we can talk a lot, and we have about what happened and what didn't happen for the Jets on Saturday night. What is interesting, Michael, is that the Leafs, after that dominant run against the Edmonton Oilers, had a couple of hiccups of their own finishing up the road trip in Vancouver, losing to the Canucks a couple times. And that killed us on the lock shop on Saturday mm. night. You know, the Leafs up 2-1 comfortably in the third period, and then it quickly changed. So, you know, for all the, the piss and vinegar that the Jets will have coming into this game after what happened on Monday night, I'd imagine that the Toronto Maple Leafs and uh, Sheldon Keefe are going to hope that, you know, his team will be up for maybe a bigger challenge back at home. There's that old adage, the first game back off the road is sometimes a challenge. That'd be nice for the Winnipeg Jets tonight. I guess the point is that as angry as the Jets are as to what happened on Saturday against Montreal, it's not like the Leafs are, uh, you know, the Leafs have had a couple rough games after playing very well. They'll definitely be focused on getting good start to this three-game series against the Jets. Yeah, I think that game against uh, Vancouver at the you know it was the end of the road trip. They had played against Edmonton. You know they had taken three in a row in dominating fashion. Maybe that's a bit of a letdown game. Maybe it's you know that extra hour has uh, of time zone because uh, you know you're the East. You're moving a couple time zones there. It's always always you got to factor <laughs> factor that time zone bump in. So the Leafs, I think they'll be home. Uh, they'll be rested. I'm expecting their A game, but there's been a couple games. I remember there was remember the first game this year between Edmonton and Toronto. We were expecting like, you know, at least eight combined goals, and there was like nothing, no action. So I hope it's not that. I'm hoping for a lot of goals. Uh, again, a lot of talent. Um, you know, each team maybe has their issues on defense. With the Jets, we know they have solid goaltending, and against you know the last couple of games, Toronto's gotten solid goaltending too. Maybe not. You know, they don't have a, a Vesna Trophy in their uh, trophy chest, but. Again, I'm very, very excited for uh, what we're going to see here tonight. Yeah, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, all in Toronto. Jets and Leafs, number one and number two teams in the division. That should be excellent. Um, We'll be getting to that with Frank Saravelli and Matt Leibel coming up in just a couple minutes. Hey, lots of people in the chat right now. Thanks to everyone that's uh, popping on. I got to give a special guest to our pal Rod Peterson. Rod checking out uh, Hot Rod, of course, the Rod Peterson Show. Bit of a bit of a trailblazer in this internet game, our friend from one province to the west. So love to have Rod in on the show. And I can tell you, I'll be talking already talking to producer Clark. I'm gonna be popping on their program at some point in the next little while. And we will definitely be having hot Rod come in. You know, normally I was looking forward to talking CFL with Rod, but I know he's involved in uh, calling some of the WHL games. I've been checking in with the ice as they get ready to play. So that's certainly something we'll be covering Winnipeg Sports Talk um, coming up in future episodes as they get back with a 24-game abbreviated schedule in the dub. Um, Of course, we can't do this without our sponsors. Big shout out to our friend at Not Autocorp, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, Winnipeg, and CoolBet.com. And uh, Not Autocorp, our first sponsor, signed on day number one, Waverly and McGilvery, uh, why not get into a vehicle of your dreams at a great price with the Not team? And if you're thinking about maybe making a move, but you're in a lease, they've got an amazing consignment program to help you try and get retail for your car. Pop down and see Trevor and the gang at Waverly and McGilvery, 
or you can do that online at not.ca. And big thanks to our newest partners, and that is a Nick and Nikki Hedgediakow in their DQ group. They've got Dairy Queen Northgate, Polo Park, DQ Niverville, and have just bought and taken over the DQ on St. Anne's. Got a note last night from one of our listeners that they were surprised that it was open. It's never usually open this early. Well, it's open now because Nick and Nikki have it. They've got the special grill there for the burgers. Obviously, the ice cream speaks for itself. And uh, we might be getting... We might we need a night an ice cream cake for a special birthday in the Remus household tomorrow, so we'll look forward to doing that. So big thanks to both Not Autocorp, Nick, Nicky. Um, we'll get to Royal Sports Boston Pizza a little bit later on, and of course CoolBet.com. And just a, a, a quick mention to many people that have contacted us about being involved in the program. We really appreciate it. We're definitely looking to expand that as well as some of the offerings that we have here on winnipegsports.com. We'll be doing that in the future. Just kind of need a week or two to uh, be able to get this show on the road. So as I mentioned, coming up a little bit later on, Frank Saravelli, TSN Hockey Insider. And coming up in just a couple moments, we will have the one and only Matt Leibel, one of the uh, most legendary voices in the history of TSN 1290. Um, don't forget tonight, uh, of course, Paul Edmonds has the call over on CGOB. That will be beginning at 7 p.m. Hoping to get Paulie on the program sometime soon. We missed him when uh, you know the rights went over across the street and Paul's no longer there. Uh, no, was no longer with us. Uh, but one of the things we're certainly looking forward to do the most is uh, having some uh, having a chat with Paul about what's happening with the uh, with the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, we've got some more pops in. Does the OHL have a return date? Asked because interested if Perfetti would have to go back. By the rules, yes. I mean, we're getting to a point, and certainly Ontario, we saw a big spike in the number of new COVID cases in the last couple of days. So I, I don't believe that there's any imminent plan that that will be happening. And, and it was great to see the Moose, who, by the way, started a 17-game homestand yesterday at not the Bell MTS place, but they're playing games at the Iceplex. And you know, we'll have to get the Fink on at some point soon. And certainly Dave Manouk, who does such a great job with Illegal Curve, to um, talk a little bit about what's happening for the uh, for it. Uh, Adam Cousy and the CFL training camp will be one full month. The only games on Canada are August long, as these holiday dates are going to be massive for people on vacation. I don't know about you. Um, listen, if there's a game, you could put a game on at Sunday morning at 8.30, I'll be there for it. I think so many fans, when the doors are opened and we are able to go, will be uh, they will certainly be signing up. So we're just waiting to get Matt Leibel in the chat chat room. Um, people asking where is Virtuity and Doctor J? Well, I'll tell you what, we may very well have uh, we may very well have them in at some point soon. Um, and one other thing I, I should tell you, um, of course, we're getting tons of comments. If you can, please like the video as we uh, like the video. Um, and if you go to, if you're listening on iTunes or Spotify afterwards, any options you can to uh, rate and review um, certainly would be it would be nice. Uh, Adam Kuzian, <laughs> this is true. COVID literally is over within the U.S. The Tampa Bay Arena will be packed with fans tonight, raising the banner. Um, it is pretty amazing to see the difference right now between what we have going on here in uh, Winnipeg and in Canada as opposed to what's happening south of the border. And I think a big part of that is just vaccine availability. Um, but this coming in here, I know some of our parents and whatnot are getting ready to, uh, you know, begin to get vaccinated. 
And that is going to be the key for all of us if we want to get out and if we want to get into, you know, into these buildings, support the bombers, of course, the jets. I don't think there's really any chance that we'll be bringing on um, or getting into the building at any point this season from a fan's perspective. But uh, I'm certainly hoping that uh, we'll be able to do that. Um, Remo, how, how are we doing back there with uh, getting the rabbi? I, I'm here. Excellent. Excellent. The mysterious, the mysterious sports rabbi wanting to go audio only. And you know what? You look quite nice as well. I mean, I can see you, Matt. The beard is looking solid. The hair is tight. You got a nice collared shirt. I remember what it was like wearing collared shirts before the pandemic. I didn't do it very often, but uh, now never mind collared shirts. You could barely get me to look at a pair of jeans right now after a year and pretty much lockdown. I wanted to say, though, I heard you are now in the glasses club and I can yeah. see and I think that you wear Glasses them well. Guy. Welcome to uh, to Vision. Well, thank you. Um, you know, I had great eyes my whole life, and all of a sudden they just kind of went, and it was rapid. And all of a sudden, I couldn't see very well. And uh, yes, I'm vax. I'm uh, glasses guy now, despite being publicly glasses shamed online by Gary Lawless. Um, you know, just the typical of Gary, take a shot like that at me. But, uh, but yeah, no, I can see, I see you, you look great and it's great to have you on the program. Uh, you know, before we get into everything, I know a lot of people would just be, uh, love to hear your voice again. How are things going? Congratulations. The growing libel family is now four with Felix, who's the new addition. So congratulations to you and Heather on that. How is dad life, rabbi life? And are you, you're missing your, uh, your old line of work? Blabbing about sports with uh, jokers like me. Well, yeah, you know, dad life is great. I, like you mentioned, Felix was born. We talked about this a little bit because I got to be a guest with you back on the um, the old station <laughs> just before the Super Bowl, right? In the time leading <laughs> up to the Super Bowl. So uh, Felix was born on the same birthday as my first son Hugo, right? So they have the same birthday of January 31st, which we talked about was a wild was a wild just coincidence. Heather, my wife and I, everything went really well. She's doing great. Felix is doing great. Hugo likes having the younger brother. It seems hard to say for sure, but the uh the best part was that I was able to thanks to some great colleagues at the synagogue take the month of February off. So I was able to go right into parental leave and really just four, four and a half weeks of kind of quality family time at home and not having to think about all the things that were going on at the synagogue, which is really great. I got back to work last week and, and rabbi life is good. There's always things going on. There's there's always funerals and weddings and bar mitzvahs. And of course, we're dealing with the pandemic like everybody. And well, I was going to say, how how different is it? I mean, like, I mean, your services, I mean, you do all that stuff online, basically. I mean, I know there's been gathering sizes. Funerals, obviously challenging. So the, yeah, funerals, we always do at the cemetery graveside where we set up a camera and our synagogue has had its doors closed to the public for a year now, but we've not skipped a beat. We have two services a day and our big services are Friday night, Saturday morning for the Sabbath, what we call Shabbat. And I, I've told people that it felt, because I never had a camera in the studio, but I, it was just like going back to the radio days where I was in a room where you're in a room with maybe one or two other people, right? Like it would be you and maybe Remus or or, or Kyle or, or, or Ryan, sorry, or, or Gary or whoever. And I was with Brandon Troy and you can't see your audience. So we know that we have this audience watching online. We have this whole audience, but we can't see them. And it's 
playing to a camera, playing to playing to the internet. It was a lot like going back in time for me to to when we uh, were radio colleagues. So as for you asked if whether I miss things, I've been off. You know, my fr- you you and all the crew from. 1290 you're always surprised when i remind people that it's been four and a half years that's nuts man that's nuts right i was there for six years station lasted ten and a half i was there for the first six and then it's been four and a half since i left i've never really missed it part of it is because you've had me as a guest from time to time so i get my fix but um i am really really excited about what you and michael remus are doing here i was i had this thought i was thinking we you you know when we see like I watch Dan Patrick I watch Colin Coward Rich Eisen anyone who used to work for ESPN whenever they talk about ESPN they talk about the mothership or the old place right <laughs> now we're in a position to have like stories about the old place right like we can do a little strolling down memory lane to 2010 and 2011 and and oh just. There's a decade of just really, really interesting things that happened, when, you know, at the mothership. <laughs> well, you know what, Matt, when Gary was on yesterday, I said this, and I've been having, talking to Joel Marcoux a lot over the past, you know, few weeks. He's a great dear friend of both of ours. And I, I honestly, I think that we might need to do the oral, like a podcast series, the oral history of TSN 1290 and just... I mean, interview all, I mean, just think of the characters that came through that building over the course of it. And it's not just within the building. I mean, many of them are right now in the chat or listening to the podcast later on um, because the people on the other side of the microphones, both in and outside the building, were just as big a part of uh, of everything. So no shortage of content on all of that. But listen, we could probably talk about the station the whole time. Let's get down to business right now. Jets, Leafs, three-game series beginning tonight. Feeling about the Jets overall to this point in the season, where they're standing, and oh, what are you uh, what are you expecting or hoping to see tonight and over the course of this next week in Hogtown? Okay, so what was that? Is it Bill Parcells? Was it Bill Parcells who had the old line, you are what your record is? Yes. So the Jets' record is good, right? right. I, I, I think anyone would take it right now if you, if you yeah. look at where they are, where they're standing. you got to be feeling pretty good. But... I have concerns. I mean, I've watched this team. I haven't, I've watched pretty much every game and I have concerns about the defense. I have concern. There have been games, very legitimate concerns. I might add. I've had concerns about their ability to make passes, to get out of their own zone, to get through the neutral zone. I don't like dump and chase hockey. I've never liked dump and chase hockey, particularly on a team with skilled guys like Kyle Connor, Nick Ehlers, Mark Scheifele, Blake Wheeler, who can carry the puck, Dubois. Um, I, I have concerns, and I and I have this fear that their record, even though the old Parcells line plays, you are what your record is, you're third in the division, um, I'm worried that their record is a bit of a mirage because they haven't played a Toronto yet, because they played a lot of games against Ottawa early, Um I think that the Toronto games, three in a row here against Toronto, it's 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 the old litmus test. It's the old barometer. They're the best sure. team maybe in the NHL. They're certainly the best team in Canada. And it's not just about whether the Jets win or lose for me. It's how they look in these games. Because the first time they played Edmonton, I felt like every time McDavid was on the ice, the Jets were on their heels. 
right? And they won a couple of those games. But there were there are concerns for me about their ability to hang with a team as talented and as fast and as skilled as the Leafs. And, and I can't help but shake the couple of games that they've lost in just epic, heartbreaking fashion. Seconds to go against Ottawa. Ottawa's got the puck behind their own net. 25 seconds to go. Next thing you know, the Jets oh, lose. They don't even yeah. get a Listen, point. there's been a couple killers Things like that like this that. year. Yeah, killers. I, I will killers. say that. And it's so easy from a fan's perspective. I mean, those just hurt. I mean, you know, you, you can't believe that the point slipped away. And the thing about it is from a Jets perspective is that you kind of know that as long as this team gets to overtime against just about anybody else, uh, you know, you, Edmonton with, you know, Dreisaitl and McDavid, and certainly the Leafs will have guys at three-on-three three that, you know, are super elite. But combining the goaltending the Jets have with those forwards, and I know a lot of people are on Maurice for a lot of things, not many people too uh, upset with the fact that he's gone to three forwards and we've seen, I mean, they're 5-0 and in OT right now. So I guess the point is you got to get to OT. The Jets will win more than their share of 50% of that extra point. Um, so yeah, those things were. But for for as bad as those ones feel, you look at the way they bounce back and this is why I'm so interested in tonight's game, Matt. This team is 6-0-1 after a regulation loss. They played some of their best games stepping up after disappointing nights. And if you want to do a power poll of the Jets' losses this season, Saturday night in Montreal was a double flusher. So they've got a lot to come back from, from what we saw on Saturday. And uh, I certainly hope and expect we'll see a much better Jet team. And the least for their part, coming off the road, it is the first game after the homestand. Sometimes it takes a bit of time to get going. But I can't imagine they're going to be in too good of a mood after blowing that Saturday night lead to Vancouver and losing their last two games after completely dominating the Oilers in three straight games in what was sort of the same situation we have tonight between the top two clubs going into the series between those two teams back in Edmonton about 10 or 12 days ago. I think you point us about the resilience because even in... I'm thinking of like the Edmonton game that was very back and forth that that I had shades of that first season Claude Noel Jets Flyers game that ended up going 9-8 where there was all that scoring just some of and their their ability to bounce back after a loss regardless of how bad the loss is there's no I don't question the character of this team I, I think that they really do I think they really are that resilient group within games and from game to game I, I just wonder about. I just wonder about some of their limitations. I have a lot of friends who are vocal about head coach Paul Maurice. I've always been such pro a or con, pro or con, yeah. con, con. The, the, yeah, there's the, not too many vo- the the pro the pro Maurice people aren't that vocal. They're the not vocal. Ones, um, the, pros they're aren't, the pros aren't vocal. The cons are vocal. I look at a guy who's got. Sure, about as many losses as he has wins, but he's an all-time top 10 winning head coach. He's got decades of experience. I love the way he communicates with the media and the public through the media, which has always made me say he's a good communicator with the team. But I just wonder if there are some limitations. That's why I said you like what I what I said earlier. I want to see how they play against Toronto. Toronto's a well-oiled machine. If the Jets are a well-oiled machine, they're going to be able to keep up with Toronto. I mean, we know they have the skilled players. I think this year they actually have some of their best forward depth. I think defensively, well, I don't know if they're ever going to get I shouldn't say that, but that 2018 crew, the defensive depth was absolutely unbelievable. I think it's going to take a while. I mean, they're a far cry from Buff 
and yeah, true. like and don't more. even start trying to compare My, the Jet Blue right, Line to right. that year's but team. The, that's but the forward, non, forward depth. But the forward depth, the combination of elite skilled guys. I mean, even trading line, bringing in Dubois, being able to mix and match centers here. Guys can go to the wing. Guys like Cop and Lowry in roles that are a little bit better certainly better suited for them third roles. Matthew Perot actually having a really good year in the role. Like the forward depth is really, really good. I like all of their forwards. I like Trevor Lewis. I mean, I like to see a guy like Veselainen get in there a little bit more often. I love a guy like Harkins. I love their forwards. I just wonder about everybody after Morrissey and Pionk. I just wonder about the defense. And I and there are just some games where like for the life of them, I don't they can't make a pass. They can't make a pass. And then another team with speed like the Oilers, Leafs, or like the Habs, puts pressure on them in their own zone, and things get a little bit chaotic. That doesn't look like a championship team to me. That doesn't look like a team poised for a playoff run. So, uh, uh, And at the end of it, you're, we, what, what do we always say? You're not going to be able to get rid of a lot of the players. You may, if you want to have to make a decision, make a change with the coach. I just, it kills me to say it because Paul Maurice... Just seems like the perfect guy to have a beer with, to go out with. He just got so much knowledge. But maybe, maybe he isn't the right guy anymore. And and I, I don't know. Listen, if you're if you're wor- if you're worried about the defense and their inability to make a pass, and I mean, is that on the coach or is this a no. personnel issue that you know the general manager has been trying to work on? And I know we're going to talk about some of the trade targets and some of the defensemen that are apparently out of the market, and we'll do that with Frank Cervelli coming up a little bit later on. Um, and I guess the other question is is about how the team is handling, you know, some of these younger players. I mean, you can look in the chat. I mean, we certainly check out Twitter every day. We hear it all the time. I mean, people, they want Billy Hainel in the lineup right away. They want Dylan Sandberg in the lineup right away. I mean, I will say this for sports fans. Patience is not a virtue that is commonplace amongst the average sports fan. And we're part of it, too. I mean, we have Ray Ferraro on or Craig Button on and says Dylan Sandberg is ready to play in the NHL right now. People hear that and, you know, that that resonates with them, Matt. So, um, you know, you know I, 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 I understand, understand it, but, but I will, I will say, say that the, the, the culture of this team is one of a slow build. They've done it before with many of their players, and I think we're looking at some of the results that are coming through right now on a positive level with a guy like... Mason Appleton, for instance, um, even Kyle Connor, who you know went back to the American Hockey League, played that season, and then started the next year in it. Have come, so um, I, I'm not I'm not ruling out the fact that we could see Billy up, maybe even Dylan Sandberg, towards the end of the season, probably not playing enough games to have the contract count, but I think be in the mix come playoff time if they're performing better than guys they have in the lineup right now. And of course, as we'll ask Frank in a couple minutes. Um, when it comes to trade deadline targets, the Jets have got the number two center. That's what we talked about every single day for two months leading into the deadline the last few years. Now, of course, it's some help on the blue line. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I mean, I can't say enough good things. I, I love that they have Stasty back. I wanted, I always felt that, you know, I was kind of watching the chat and some people were taking some shots at Chevy. I always felt that Chevy's biggest blunder that never really seemed to get talked about was the fact that they didn't keep Stastny for what amounted to be, I think, a million and a half bucks over three years. Like Stastny. Here's the thing, though. Like, and just this is Matt. It's, it's important to point this out because we do hear this all the time, and it's the same thing with Mark Stone. Like, I, I don't mean to point this out. I'm a Winnipeg guy. I love this city more than anyone. But if 
if you are offering seven million bucks and Vegas is offering seven million bucks and they just went to the cop and you were all, you know, at a certain point, it's not like all things being equal, people are going to pick Winnipeg. I mean, there's a lot going against the Jets when they're trying to sign guys like free agents. And I give them credit for circling back on that, getting him here for a, and mm-hmm. now being a situation um, that, yeah. you know, that he can really help. And listen, if he stays next year, his contract won't be in that same ballpark. So it will be interesting, interesting to, uh, to see how that I, goes. I don't know. I don't know if it was the, I, I, I don't know, Huss. I thought it was in the end that Vegas sweetened the deal a little bit. I, I think the Jets could have had him. I really, I mean, not that I was in the inside. I don't know. But I just love seeing him back on the team. Like you say, having him this year, I've got, I've got very high hopes for the team. And, and if the, if the defense is a work in progress, that that's, that's okay. It's just how many, how many more years is Blake Wheeler going to be at this level? I'm already starting to see Blake Wheeler. I don't know. Is he the same Blake Wheeler, the 90 point Blake Wheeler? I don't know. I'll tell you what, he's been damn good the last couple of weeks. I mean, the yes. start, he was obviously hurt. Everybody knew that, and he wasn't going to say, I mean, when he said, what was the question? They said, oh, are you hurt? And he goes, if I'm in the lineup, consider me 100%. <laughs> I mean, it was sort of one of those saying, yeah, I listen, I'm dealing with something. Work it out. Listen, Maddie, this has been so much fun. Um, I love it. I'm, I'm holding you to a uh, a semi-regular visit with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk when your duties allow you. As long as Remus and I can figure out why you can see me, but the people can't. I even, I had a shower today. I would have skipped the shower. I work from home. What am I having a shower for if I'm not going to be on video? It's all radio. As I say, you know, things uh, things on the desk of the CTO of Winnipeg Sports Talk are piling up by the episode. But uh, it's all good, man. Thanks so much for doing this. Great to have you on the program. And uh, we'll uh, do this again real soon. All the best to you and Remus, what you guys are doing right here. I hope your audience realize, I think a lot of them do. This is what it feels like to be at the beginning of something very special. It took a lot of courage, a lot of smarts. You guys are out there. I give you tremendous kudos. We have this expression in the synagogue world. We say in Hebrew, the word is we say, we, we say yasher koach, which is a hard thing to say, but what it translates to is more power to you. So I wish you guys from the sports rabbi making his first, hopefully of many appearances on your program and on your station, Yasher Koach, more power to you. Thank you from all the sports fans in Winnipeg for having a place, if nothing else, to vent and to listen and to just share our enthusiasm for sports. Thank you, boys, for doing this for all of us. Matt, you're the best. Thanks for doing this. We got, uh, and I'll just send you off with a nice bit from the uh, the chat. Here's our pal Tyson Ducharme. Ducharme. Hey, Matt. Man, I miss these bad takes. Matt, you're a pro. <laughs> so, <laughs> there you go. Give you a good one on the way out. I lives. remember him from the Twitter days, man. Do I not miss Twitter? Oh, we miss you on Twitter. I'll tell you that. <laughs> hey, pal, thanks again for doing this. So, we'll get you back on real soon. See ya. Thanks, Austin. All right. There he is. Matt Libel joining us. What a beauty he is. And uh, can't wait to uh, chop it up with him more in the future. Um, all right. Well, we're going to get ready to bring in Frank Saravelli uh, coming up in just a moment. Uh, we'll Gives me a quick time to uh, plug our OG sponsors, Royal Sports. Greg and Gerald Hasbeek have been supporting what we've been doing for over 15 years. Royal Sports, it is the Winnipeg Sports Superstore, 750 Pemina Highway and 650 Rally at EK. Of course, hockey is back. We're getting rinks open. Kids are getting back on the ice. If you need equipment, I mean, it really is your one-stop hockey superstore in the city. And with spring just around the corner, bikes, soccer, baseball, it's all there as well as um, one of the best selection of licensed merchandise 
anywhere around in Winnipeg. Pop by Royal Sports and tell them your boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. And, of course, our friends at Boston Pizza Winnipeg. I'm still looking at these Viz, the Vizzy. Uh, I'm going to try one of these. Oh, it's not popping up on my green screen. But, uh, oh, there it is. The new hard seltzer from our friends at Molson. Those are going to be available at Boston Pizza right away. Game day meal might be a good thought for the game tonight. Pizza, maybe a couple dozen wings. You can do that all online ordering at Boston Pizza. Or the lounges are different with with COVID right now. But you certainly can get into um, the spot. Big screen, big sound. Watch the game last Monday at uh, BP Taylor. Had a great time. It sure was great to be back. Um, what a great way to continue our episode two of Winnipeg Sports Talk and bringing back our good friend NHL insider with TSN, Frank Saravelli. Frank, what's good? Great to have you on the program. Thanks for doing this. Huss, good to be back. Remus, good to connect with you guys. Really glad that you have this up and running. I was waiting for someone to do it, give Winnipeg sports fans the platform that they deserve, and really glad that it's you guys. Well, it, it's a player. I mean, we've had such amazing support from people that were sort of, and we we heard it every day. Um, you know, the this is such an amazing sports city, and you yeah, know, I was going to say this is of zero shock to me. Yeah, well, I appreciate that, but you know, we obviously developed a great connection with a lot of the people here and our listeners for a long time. But the bottom line was that you can't just Listen, a company, they can do what they want, but you don't just end sports talk by walking away. All you do is leave a huge void, and the fans are still here. The passion for the teams are still here. We still want to do it, so we are doing it. And the response has been amazing, and it really is. It's an exciting time for all of us. It's been a brutal – actually, I guess it's a month ago today that that all happened. So we're talking four weeks later. We're blowing away our expectations with numbers um, and but we're apparently getting it on the air and getting into people's podcast feeds. So that's what it's all about. Speaking and, of pod- and, and all that, and you spared the YouTube uh, visitors a chance to see me today, which they are the luckiest viewers to date. You've got a good setup there, dude. You got a very good setup, and of course, you do so many things on TSN Television, which we're going from the uh, from the lab. But uh, you know, just quickly plug what you're doing uh, with Gregor now with Daily Faceoff, another great addition to uh, the content that so many hockey fans are looking for. Let's get to this Jets Leafs game tonight. Um, you know, the Leafs have been the class of the North Division so far this year through. Well, about half the season. Um, we saw what happened when they went up in that big one-two matchup against the Oilers a couple weeks ago. It did not go well for Edmonton. Uh, what do you make of the Jets coming into Toronto and a chance to uh, get after uh, after it with the top team in the league? This is the classic measuring stick. I mean, to this point, no one has proven a worthy challenger of the Maple Leafs. We thought the Habs were in that world, if not maybe a step above them to start the season. And they've fallen off. The Edmonton Oilers came in with a three-game home series, a chance if they swept to take over first place in the North based on points percentage, and they didn't take care of business, getting swept in their own right. And now the Winnipeg Jets are the next challenger against the heavyweight champ, and they've got a real opportunity here to, to make a statement, and not just about this team and how well they've played and how well they've scored, you know, doing something that, you know, really, I think the Jets have three things that the Maple Leafs don't. One is four point per game scorers. The Toronto Maple Leafs don't have that. The other is uh, at this point, 
they're the, the only team in the North and one of only two teams in the league that hasn't lost back-to-back in regulation, which, by the way, the Maple Leafs did for the first time this past weekend. And the third thing is Connor Hellebuck. And there's been so much talk about can this Jets team sustain what they've been able to do. And my answer most on most teams would be no. If you look at the defensive numbers and the metrics – and you'd say, well, probably not. But on a team with Connor Hellebuck and a team that scores this way, why not? So uh, they've got a lot going for them. They're a team that I saw as right on that playoff bubble that's exceeded expectations. And now you have a chance to find out where you fit with the team that has blown everyone else away to this point. Now, Frank, speaking of that, and I wanted to ask you a couple other things about the North Division, but we know that the Jets have you know, issues on the blue line. Um, we've been talking about a second line center, or, you know, finishing out that top six for the last couple of years in Winnipeg. And, you know, a trade we'll be talking about for decades, Patrick Lining and Roslevic going to Columbus brought in Pierre-Luc Dubois. As far as the blue line goes, I know you've talked a lot about potential trade deadline targets. We've got Matthias Ekholm in Nashville at the top of the list. Um, Thoughts on the Jets' blue line and how aggressive they might be going into the deadline, considering where they are right now and everything you've just said about this club, what might be possible if they did shore up the uh, you know that top pairing in the top four? Yeah, I could think of no better trade deadline target for the Winnipeg Jets than David Savard of the Columbus Blue Jackets, number two on our TSN trade bait board. The question is, are the Jets willing to pay that kind of price? And I, I don't know what the going rate is. The Blue Jackets are actually still kind of in that mix in the Central Division, and we'll have a really much better idea in the next two weeks as to exactly where they stand, whether they get their act together or not. But he would be tailor-made for this Jets team. You know, Not only is he the playoff performer that you need, uh, his minutes go up every year in the playoffs, He's a big, bruising guy that plays a legit shutdown role. He's like the one defenseman that actually lives up to the term defenseman. He guards and and plays as well in his own end as anyone. And I think that's really what the Jets are missing. You know, they've got bits and pieces of that in Josh Morrissey, of course. They could use another presence, and and Savard would certainly be that. He's sort of like the stop valve, the the escape valve that can cut off a cycle or a flow in your own end, which at times I feel like the Jets have had trouble breaking up. And so I, I think he'd be a perfect fit as a rental. Now the question is, if the Jets were going to pull the trigger, would they be reasonably sure that they could re-sign a guy like that? And then the next question is, what does the market look like for a guy like Savard in the offseason? Is he closer to the $4 million range? Is he more than that? What, ty- what kind of term is he looking at now on the wrong side of 30? So lots of questions. But if I were to pluck one guy off the list, that would be the guy I'd be most excited to get to plug into a team that has all the other issues or, mm-hmm. or you know question marks really answered and solved. Well, you know what, Frank Saravelli with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, I have to ask you about something you just mentioned. Um, you know, a guy like David Savard that's a you know free agent next year. What will the money be like? Um, you know, we saw what happened in this short abbreviated offseason. How many players that, you know, normally would be getting a much larger check? It simply wasn't there. We saw a number of guys sign one-year deals. You know, as we creep closer to coming out of the pandemic, 
How do you see just the free agent market in general in the National Hockey League next year? How different is it going to be from 24 months ago? And at what point do we even get close for these guys that are free agents to kind of what they remembered and what they would have been expecting when they got to the open market? A long way off. I mean, you mentioned we're talking about potentially coming out of the pandemic, even though it feels like we're still not even really seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. We're, we're not going to see that in terms of hockey paydays for a long time, because even though the rest of the world may be coming back to normal, what we're dealing with in the hockey world is a flat salary cap. And it all depends on next year's revenue projections in terms of how quickly the players, without getting into the really nerdy stuff, is how quickly the players can pay back this billion-dollar-plus loan to the NHL's owners before they can start to see the cap rise. And until that's paid off, the cap is going to remain the same. And the problem is, next year, if this vaccine rollout continues to be slow in Canada, I know what the numbers say. The Trudeau camp is, is promising that mass vaccinations are coming and, and, and can't come soon enough. But if the NHL has to start next season with empty buildings or limited capacity buildings in Canada, that's going to be a major revenue suck on the league. And the, the problem with that is with the salary cap remaining the same at 81.5, the players are going to be paid out the same amount of money again next year where it's still not hitting the part, the 50-50 split in revenue. So instead of actually paying down that debt that they owe to owners, if this makes any sense, instead they're actually going to be increasing their loan amount mm -hmm. that's due to owners. So it's really critical for revenue to bounce back just from an owner's and player's perspective because that's the sooner that can happen is the sooner players can start to get paid again like they normally would expect. And until then it's going to be more pain for these guys that were expecting once in their career paydays that they may not get it. How much of a burden will this eventually be on you know, the rookie class, for instance, of this year? I mean, the Alexi Lafreniere's that are coming in right now. I mean, how, how, much, how will affected will they be down the road, um, do you think? Or will it really be pretty much everyone that feels the brunt of it for a little while? No, I think the players that are going to feel the brunt of it are the middle class. The Alexi Lafreniere's are always going to get paid provided that they produce. And he's off to one of the worst starts of number one overall pick in league history. So he's really struggled at times with the Rangers. And I hope, I think everyone's hoping that he finds his game soon. A uh, big adjustment from not having played in a long time to then also having to play in the NHL against men. You see Tim Stutzla, you mentioned the draft class, just the transition he's made. He already played with men in Europe previously, and he played in the World Juniors. So he got a little bit of a, a launching pad. But money-wise, is it going to affect them? Maybe a little, but those top players are always going to get paid. The bottom rung players, the fourth line guys that are league minimum, they're always kind of going to continue to remain in that same range. It's the it's the middle class guys. You know, think of a, a Matthew Perot, never really a star. Um, you know, trying to you know he feels like forever he was trying to carve out his his exact path and and role in Winnipeg, but he got a pretty nice ticket at four plus million dollars, and so. The, those are the types of players that aren't going to see that type of money anymore uh, moving forward. Yeah, I mean, and we've already seen. And well, and the Leafs are a perfect example uh, that we'll see tonight, Frank, in that, you know, they've got huge, huge top end salaries. But when you can get the likes of Jason Spezza to come in at 700 grand a year and 
you know, contribute lower down in your lineup, you know, you get a little closer to making it work. I think we'll see far more players in Jason Spetz's situation, at least in the next couple seasons uh, here in the National Hockey League. That and and also like what happens to some of the other players that are in that sort of ballpark that I was talking about, the middle class. Uh, what about a Zach Hyman, for instance? He's a pending unrestricted free agent, a huge critical piece in terms of uh, being a cog in that wheel for the Toronto Maple Leafs. What is he worth? You know, some people argue that the job that he does uh, in facilitating and getting pucks and grinding things out as as a quote press player in the league is you know there there would be some people that would think he's five plus six million dollars a year and could get to that number. Does he do that in a pandemic? And we know that at that number, the Maple Leafs can't afford to keep him. So. You know, I think there's, and I, I got to this the other day um, a little bit, again, we were just talking about platforms and, and the ability to talk about things in detail. I tried to explain this in a, in a minute-long hit on, on TSN, but just the idea of cycles that teams are in. And I'm really curious which way the Jets are going here because you look at the cycle the, the Toronto Maple Leafs are in. They've built to this point. They've been building for years. They add Tavares. Now this is a critical juncture because they've got Hyman as a pending UFA and Anderson as a pending UFA. You saw what the Canucks are going through. They're trying to, re, they're trying to turn things over again after losing their free agents that they couldn't afford, but they've got the pillars in place with your Demko and Ned and Hughes on the back end, Pedersen and Horvat up front. Now, the Jets got to that point uh, in their window in 2018 where they went on their run. Then you see their defense start to reshape a little bit last year. The unexpected change with Bufflin. You you say goodbye to Sherratt and Truba. And by the way, they could really use an exact clone of Sherratt at this point. Like, how perfect would a guy like him have been um, in on this team. So then where do they stand moving forward? You've got the Habs who pressed uh, in the offseason because they saw an opportunity coming out of the bubble. They needed to make some hay. Uh, you, you know where the Sens are. They're on a complete uh, straight path up and forward. But where where are the Jets in that mix? You know, in terms of you know ability to spend, how much do you want to go for things at this deadline? These are all questions that need to be asked, and I think we'll find out in in relatively short order. But those are questions that I'm curious about. Yeah, well, I mean, I think a lot of people around here as well. And when you look, you know, I think you basically have to start with the contracts of the top players. And when you've got Shifley and Ehlers and Hellebuck and Wheeler. Um, you know, Dubois for two years, but they'll figure that out afterwards. I mean, you've got that kind of window right now with those players. I think it maybe makes it more likely that they might be aggressive when it comes to a player like Ekholm. Um, you know, a reasonable contract, one more year of term after this, um, is that, are we talking a first round pick and a prospect or um, it just because of how many teams will be in on that, Frank? I think so. First round pick and prospect, for two reasons. One is that extra year term that you mentioned, and two is the cap hit. It's pretty manageable. Almost every team can can afford that, and if not straight up, then either by offloading a contract back in return. So I think that's where the premium comes in, and that's why Ekholm is the number one player on our board. But um, you know, it's it's so interesting because because of those affordability reasons and the number of teams that believe that they could be in the mix in this odd year that there, there probably would be a significant amount of interest. And I'll, I'll throw this at you, and I was thinking about writing it tomorrow on TSN.ca, is the idea of usually the first team in on the trade market gets a good deal. And 
it almost seems like this year there's a little bit of a premium that would need to be paid in order to be the first team to do it. And I say that because everyone wants to jump on it with the quarantine regulations and things in place that make it extra difficult to trade. Everyone wants to get these pieces in theoretically sooner as soon as they can. Is the cost prohibitive at this point where teams are saying, okay, you want this guy now, make it two first. And you're like, well, hold on a second. Like that's not going to happen. And you got to figure things out. So I think, you know, in addition to all the other reasons, strains year cap situation, 16 teams or 17 teams in LTIR, the fact that, you know, you want to get this done and be the first to dive into the pool makes it even a little bit more challenging. No, I think from a seller's perspective, I think you're bang on. If I'm Nashville right now, realizing the demand for a player like this, the urgency to do it earlier as opposed to waiting till the deadline and building up the offers, you know, I think you know, I think it's very right. And what will be interesting is you and the guys work on trade de- trade center and the deadline day, Frank, is that you know there will be you know a number of players that will be available. There'll be a limited amount of teams that are even in a position to go and add. And, you know, you might actually see the bottom drop out of the market as you get closer to two o'clock on deadline day, just, you know, not because the players couldn't help teams, but because of both cap situation and, you know, where teams are with quarantine and all that combining to maybe have a bit of a reverse urgency on on the deadline, as you mentioned. I, I think that's possible. And I think the other part of it is it seems to be a really thin class. I think there's also a hesitancy to pay for rentals. You know, I'm really interested to see what a guy like Granlin gets back or a Savard gets back because I think teams are placing a premium, especially on a really reasonable contract and cap hit, to get a guy, take a, a page out of the Julian Brisebois playbook from last year and get a guy like a Coleman or or moving forward, someone that has a year left on their deal that they know is going to be around rather than trading two two second round picks for a Tyler Toffoli that ends up walking in the summer. And it's a pretty significant cost that you've paid for your franchise over the next number of years. Hey, um, as far as the North Division goes, and we kind of touched on, you know, the Jets and Leafs, um, I'm interested in your perspective on the Habs and Flames, who have just made coaching changes in the past couple weeks, and and the Vancouver Canucks and where they sit right now after that miserable start. They got a couple big wins against the Maple Leafs to, I think, give their fans hope, but... Um, that whole situation with Jim Benning is very interesting going into uh, some uncertainty for Vancouver as to where they go and who will be guiding the ship, Never, not just about the deadline, but also in the next season. I don't have any uncertainty on that front, at least from the people that I've talked to in Vancouver. Look, it's an interesting market. Uh, it seems to be more, and this is not a shot at anyone that lives there or is a Canucks fan, it seems to be more reactionary than any market. And and it says a lot when you throw in Toronto to the mix. Uh, they just, they seem to have had the pitchforks at the ready. And I don't know that I necessarily understand it because this was going to be a transition year as, as successful as last year was. And, and you think to the bright future and, and them going deeper than any Canadian team. And you're saying, but look at the guys that they've peeled off of their roster. Chris Tanev, Jacob Markstrom, Tyler Toffoli, like go down the list. Like how, how, how was this team supposed to be in the same spot that they were last year? It was, un, you know, unrealistic expectations. In, in my opinion, they, this was a year that they were supposed to transition and have some of their young players take a bigger step. And I think they were hoping that, 
Some of the guys on their blue line would make it a more seamless transition. It hasn't been. Their goaltending also hasn't been up to par. So they've got some work to do. But the nice thing is they've got some cap space finally for the first time this summer. This goes back to the cycle that I was talking about. Sometimes you have to take it uh, you know, between the eyes for a year or two to get to a position where you really want to be in. And if you're a manager and you're building and you're looking at your big board in your office, you know what the rest of the teams in your group are doing. And it feels like for whatever reason, all of that's been amplified. Paul Maurice, you know, has talked about this saying, you know, he, what was his prediction before the year? Five head coaches will be changed in this division. Like, you know, he, I know we've got some ways to go to get there, but I, I thought this would be a record year for job security in the NHL because it's a shortened year, because teams aren't going to want to pay these coaches, pay two guys at the same time. And <laughs> maybe Paul's right. I, I'm with you. I was somewhat, I was stunned um, that, you know, Montreal moved on Julian and, and we heard the whispers about, you know, Calgary and what was happening. Um, that what one you- I wasn't surprised on. Um, but what about hiring Sutter though? And just thoughts on this team right now, kind of they could not be more inconsistent, ton of great talent. They've got their goalie back. Uh, what does Daryl Sutter's arrival do for the Calgary flames in the short term and this season? Um, I think, well, the buzzword in, in Calgary Huss has been accountability. And I think he provides that right away. Um, you know, that's a team that for whatever reason, just hasn't looked right this year. And that's another team that I think on paper, the expectations were so high um, with the way that they played and they've sort of been building to this moment again with this core, speaking of the cycle again, that they were kind of placing a big bet on this year with the players that they brought in and and all the money that Brad Tree Living spent. My issue and, and the reason why I'm not surprised is that Jeff Ward never seemed like the guy to me. And that's you know, that goes back to sort of the adventure that Brad Tree Living went on in the summer following the the bubble is you had an opportunity to make a very quick statement. Jeff Ward is our coach. He's our guy. And we're signing him to an extension. We're removing the interim tag. Instead, the process seemed to go on forever. And maybe I'm exaggerating, but it went on a while. And then they get through all of that and they give Jeff Ward a two-year deal. And I'm thinking, two-year deal? Like, what? Like, shh they never seemed to exude that confidence in the coach. And I don't know if that affected Jeff Ward or if he just never had the voice um, in that room to begin with. But when, when some of the smoke signals that started coming out of that room, um, you know, I am surprised a little bit in the replacement, but then I'm thinking to myself as well, like I, I got to tell you, it was quarter to one in the morning, Huss. I'm sitting at my desk in my office upstairs And it was the reason I was still working. It was the night that um, the Gretzky family released that Walter Gretzky had died. And I get a call and the flames were saying, you know, hey, we just got a message. Jeff Ward has been fired. And they go, do you want to guess on the replacement? And I was like, I don't know. I, I, I didn't know. Like, I was like, Mike Babcock, like, I didn't know who to say, like, who, who's on the market that you felt could really come in and make that impact. And Daryl Sutter's got that voice, that commanding presence, and he's a winner. He's won two Stanley Cups. He's in your backyard. He knows your franchise. There's a lot of caricatures about, um, you know, Daryl Sutter, the jolly rancher, you know, bitter beer face, whatever (laughs) you want to call it. I mean, underestimate him at your own peril. That's what I would say.
Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, the Flames, I think they, they've seen the blueprint and they want to do exactly what the Kings did in December of 2011 when they, you know, they had a lot high hopes, some expectations that they'd become a playoff team. They were struggling. They make the move. They bring in Daryl Sutter. And six months later, as an eight seed, they're hoisting the Stanley Cup. So we certainly have seen it uh, happen before. South of the border, Frank, I'm interested. You mentioned, you know, smoke coming from the problem areas. Uh, in Buffalo, it's thick, thick black smoke, and it's going oh, by the day. Dumpster fire that's uh, going there? <laughs> exactly. Um, what's going on with the Sabres right now, and in particular, Jack Eichel, who um, you know is a superstar in this league, but you know must be really his patience must be wearing thin, and it doesn't seem like anything is happening right now that would build anybody's confidence looking into the future. I feel like I need to put a helmet on just to answer that question. Like <laughs> it's um, I, I don't, I don't even know where to start. Like it, it's a mess of epic proportions. And to think that they can find a way to work their way out of this, like, where do you start? I mean, I, a lot of people have, you know, Jack trade, Jack Eichel or Jack Eichel wants out and that's fine. I mean, how do you accomplish that in season? It seems almost impossible to me. He's not on our trade bait board for that reason. You know, I just think you remove so many teams from the equation that could be part of it. Unless someone comes in and knocks your door down and, and demands that they get Jack Eichel between now and April 12th. But with that cap hit, it's going to be really difficult to do. You've got the Skinner deal, which is a disaster. I saw on Twitter, you know, if they trade Jack Eichel, can Jeff Skinner go with him? Like that's all well and good. Who the heck's who, who can afford $19 million in salary cap hits? Absolutely. No one less than no one. Like, so, so then you go and you go, okay, well, where are we good? What are we going to build around? Is it Rasmus Dahlin? I guess. I mean, he hasn't really proven himself to be a star at this point. I'm hesitant to evaluate anyone on Buffalo because it's been such a disaster. Is there a Buffalo stink effect that has wrapped around some of these players and their careers? Rasmus Ristolainen, um, Sam Reinhardt. Like, I mean, where where is it that you're going to put your stake in the ground and say this is what we're going to build around and how many teams are going to come in and try and pick at the carcass? And that has said nothing, nothing at all, of Ralph Kruger and the job that he's done this year, which is not a very good one, and their, their GM and Kevin Adams, who has exactly zero experience running a team. Uh, I mean... I honestly, I'm telling you, I don't know where to start, Huss. Yeah, it's. I mean, in your mind, Frank, to get Eichel out of Buffalo, I mean, what what sort of a package are we talking about? Because there's not very many Jack Eichels in the league, period, and they sure as hell aren't many on the trade market. No, I, I don't know, Ike. Again, what what deal makes sense for your team? Like, can you can you do you want pieces that you can use now? Is it entirely futures? Like, are we talking? three first round picks. I, I don't know. Like I'm just throwing something out there. Like what begins to get you excited if you're Kevin Adams, if you're even Kevin Adams, that's running Buffalo in the off season. So I, I truly don't know where to begin on, on what a return would look like. You know, everyone keeps mentioning the New York Rangers and I guess it's the Massachusetts connection that exists in that front office, Jeff Gordon at GM and, and Quinn at head coach. I, I don't know. Um, I just there's so few teams that can fit that contract that I think that's where you need to start. And how many teams are going to move heaven and earth if they can't in order to make it work with Jack Eichel? And then maybe this is an unfair question to ask because I know he's a great player 
And I uh, mentioned the Buffalo stink. How good is he? He hasn't exactly lived up to the $10 million cap hit or contract that he has. So what if he were to go somewhere else where he's engaged and on a team that wins and he's surrounded by talent properly, what is the ceiling for Jack Eichel? I don't even know how to answer that. Well, and it's such, I mean, from a general manager's perspective in Buffalo, I mean, it's such a difficult thing to pull off because, I mean, you're not trading Eichel for a bunch of pieces to win now, obviously. I mean, this season's done. And even the, you know, the near future doesn't look that bright. And if you go to a bunch of things for futures, I mean, Frank, they're in year 12 of a five-year plan to get back to respectability and look where they are. Uh, yeah, I mean, and like speaking of a five-year plan, like look at where the Toronto Maple Leafs are. Like, I don't know. I mean, there's two like two very different ways to go about it. And unfortunately for the Buffalo Sabres, they just didn't win the right lottery. Frank Saravelli is with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. One other team I wanted to touch on with you, because for most of us here, it, it sort of has seemed like the National Hockey League is a seven-team league. We've got great Canadian matchups. Everyone's focused on their teams, the head-to-head matchups, the standings. I wonder there's coaches being fired. Yeah, you know, exactly. Um, but for guys from the Central Division that have seen a lot of the Chicago Blackhawks at the top of the mountain sort of you know, fade out of being a playoff team, I'm not sure there's a better story this year in the league than what is happening with that club. No Jonathan Taves. The injury to Kirby Doc going into the season at the World Juniors was devastating. And yet there's Pat Kane putting a team on his back, some new young players getting an opportunity to come in and do it. I mean, and they have been very quietly for folks, if you've just been paying attention to the Canadian division, one of the great stories this year. Thoughts on the Hawks, how they've been doing it, and... I know a lot of the MVP talk has been centered around Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews, but do you think Pat Kane should be a central figure in that storyline going forward? I'll give you a little preview. I'm posting my midseason award winners on Friday, and Patrick Kane at this point, I don't see anyone else that's above him in terms of the Hart Trophy race. I agree. What he's done with not just the players that they're missing, but just how special he's been on a night-in and night-out basis, consistently producing points. This isn't just one amazing two-week run that he's been on. Uh, Showtime has been exactly that. He's been appointment television. And I think for this team, with so many unknowns, Kevin Lankinen, like raise your hand if you heard of Kevin Lankinen before (laughs) the season. Malcolm Subban has done excellent when he's been in net. Um, Jeremy Colleton, a guy we're wondering, can this guy coach? in the league is he going to be around for a long time um you know everything's clicked in a very odd year and also a team that um you know has had some covid issues too they've had some players go down um and miss some time so a full marks to them patrick kane is just and i say this with all due respect to mike badano brett hull you know he is the best american-born player of all time until proven otherwise and um, man, a thousand games tonight. It's, uh, it's pretty special. Well, I know can, they're doing it without arguably the best, you know, a Winnipeg product uh, ever in NHL history and Jonathan Taves. Um, uh, you know, I, I know, you know, when it comes to personal and health issues, things are tight, but is there anything optimistic you're hearing about Jonathan Taves? Certainly there's a lot of fans of his work here in his hometown. Yeah, no kidding. I think everyone who's a hockey fan is a, a fan of Jonathan Taves, not just the player he is, but the class person that he is. I don't have any update. This is one story, Huss. You know, I, there's a few things that I really try and respect privacy on. 
Uh, one is any sort of death in the family. You know, you never want to be first to break that news. And two is is a personal medical issue, and and that's what it seems to be with Jonathan Taves. So I haven't pried, haven't uh, attempted to get any dirt. Um, there were all sorts of rumors and innuendo about Jonathan Taves, and is this something more serious? You know, to my knowledge, I haven't come across any of that. So uh, here's hoping that he gets back on his skates and is back on the ice sooner rather than later. Yeah, you know what? Um, you know, as I said, you know, people in Chicago pulling for him, but a lot of people here in Winnipeg as well. Frank, um, you know, I always love talking to you on the air, off the air, uh, bumping into you at the rink. Things are different right now. There's been a lot of changes in a lot of our lives. But I'll tell you what, it never gets old, uh, chopping it up, talking hockey with you. Thanks so much for doing this. It was really fun to have you on the program. Yeah, I love it. Thanks for thinking of me so early in the show. Really glad to be part of it. And hey, you know, you deserve a little credit too for getting back on your feet from what you've been through. It's all, it's been a tough year for a lot of people and you were certainly uh, on the list of people that we were thinking about. So glad to have you back. And Remo, I'm sure you'll, uh, you'll figure this out at some point, getting my beautiful mug back on here and can't wait to be back with you guys. Hey, Frank, you're the best. Thanks for doing this. And uh, we'll look forward to all your great coverage on TSN, of course, at tsn.c. When you get that trade bait board going, we got the season awards coming up later on this week. Thanks for doing this. Be well, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Take care, guys. Good stuff. There is Frank Saravelli, TSN scene reporter, joining us. And, you know, Frank is just such a, I mean, a great guy. I mean, a guy that I've got to know quite well over the years. And um, it was uh, just a lot of fun. The, the beauty of being able to bring a guy like Frank on and being able to talk for 15, 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Geez, we went quite long. But, I mean, that's just the glory. I mean, if a guy like Frank has that sort of time for us, we are definitely going to use it uh, because we know a lot of people are on. Now, I mentioned in that chat with Frank uh, about Jonathan Taves. Could be the best Winnipeg product ever in the National Hockey League. And, you know, we know what he's done certainly world junior wise superstar in the league, the three cups. And I did see uh, somebody mention Terry Sawchuk who up until Martin Brodeur and Patrick Roy broke the records was, I mean, the shutout King of all time in the national hockey league and has an incredible story as well. I would be very interested to know in the comments who, in your opinion, is the best Winnipeg product in NHL history? There's no right answers, but I think a lot of people have opinions on that. So certainly would love to uh, to get that out. Well, anyways, we really appreciate Frank joining us. Always great to have him on the program. Let's check back in with Mission Control and uh, Michael Remus. Uh, Remo, are you there? Can we uh, get you back in? H- how are things going? Uh, we we've had we've, we're over two on video today. Uh, we did have a sound lapse at one point, but the uh, the content from the guys was good. A great, uh, first of all, great conversation with Matthew and uh, Frank. Matthew, the sports rabbi, uh, and Frank. Uh, Sir, By Sir the way, Valley. can the chat confirm that? Can the chat please confirm that Remus's mic is on? Yeah, that would be yeah, that would be excellent. It's confirmed. I can confirm it. Uh, <laughs> okay, I know, thanks. I know. I know exactly what um, you know. What some of these issues are. The video one. Uh, something I'll have to deal with and do some troubleshooting on. That was that was a weird one, but you know, I, the audio is what's important. We know we get a lot of downloads on Spotify, and I know people have it open on YouTube and, and are just listening. So, a uh, big thank you to everyone in chat. And if you are in chat, make sure you're hitting the thumbs up button. Make sure you're subscribing. We're closing in on on 2,500 subscribers, and we haven't even been live uh, for a week, which is uh, absolutely incredible. We're absolutely floored. Uh, this has been. Uh, quite a ride and it's really just beginning 
Certainly, certainly. Um, getting some great people in uh, in yeah. the chats on what we're talking about. Terry Sawchuk and Bill Mosienko, end of story. Adam's certainly going old school. I mean, I'll say this, and I know, you know, there, you know, there always is something that is real on recency bias. Um, but I mean, you look at Tave's career and what he's done since he to the league, the winning that he's done, the con Smice. Um, you know, there certainly is something to be said. Ab McDonald, we certainly love Ab, and he's a historical figure um, in Winnipeg hockey history, without a doubt, as the first captain ever of the Winnipeg Jets and was on some pretty damn good teams as well. I don't know that we can have on Ab, um, you know, in that conversation. But um, And who knows? Maybe we've got some young uh, Winnipeggers that are looking for uh, great careers coming in in the draft. Speaking of that, Carson Lambos, Winnipeg Ice, and the ice getting back to work this week in the bubble in Regina. Um, what a year to be a top NHL prospect. It really is absolutely, um, uh, you know, you just, you just feel for all the kids that haven't played, but you wonder how a year like this will affect those that are going in. And Darren Drager reporting today that it doesn't look like there's going to be any change on the NHL draft. There was certainly a number of people within NHL organizations that wanted to see that date moved uh, months down the road, potentially combining drafts later on. But the logistics of it all just seemed to be too tough, not to mention NHLPA issues, that if players don't get drafted when they normally would and are drafted in October or November of next year, Oh, how does that affect contract years of service and all that? So it um, sounds like we're going to have a draft, you know, at the end of the season as we normally would. Although, man, what an absolute challenge for the scouts to get those draft boards ready with so little hockey in so many of the leagues. Um, before we get out of here today, let's get to our lines in the National Hockey League tonight for CoolBet and CoolBet, CoolBet Canada you can go to the site at coolbet.com if you want to get in on it, especially before the players. We will talk some golf tomorrow on the program, I'm hoping. Um, I started betting at Coolbet about a year and a half ago because I just found the golf odds were so much better. And I love, love throwing a few sprinkles down on the tournaments before we get in. Um, but I found that, you know, they really, it's a one-stop shop. And in the National Hockey League tonight, we got a big slate of games. But if you do want to get in Coolbet, Coolbet, use the promo code WST. And uh, you get a free 100% bonus on your deposit up to $200. So, yeah, promo code WST at CoolBet.com. Reem, I don't know if you want to jump back in here to uh, talk about these games tonight. Um, we will have to get to the line of the day. I talked about this on the lock shop earlier with Dusty today. Jets and Leafs. Jets had opened at plus 145. Not surprising. You know, a public team like the Leafs going down a little bit. Jets at plus 152 tonight, Reem. Going into uh, the game, the home team, the Toronto Maple Leafs, want minus 182 on the money line. So a pretty significant favorite. Maybe some value on the Jets. They have not lost consecutive games in regulation. You know they'll be ready to er erase the stench of Saturday night. I'm looking forward to this game. And, uh, you know, for the first time since the Jets came off the suspended list at the end of February on the lock shop, I, uh, I think they're going to get a little bit of my uh, a little bit of my hard-earned cash tonight. Yeah, I just think the teams are closer than the books have said it and we said that, you know, coming into the season where the Leafs were such a heavy favorite in the North Division and we're saying that now that they're head to head, I mean minus 180 that's a significant favorite. I think the teams are a lot closer so and just in terms of a value, uh I yes, I would agree there's value on the Jets and just on cool but very easy to deposit on there which uh, I am a fan of especially for us in Canada. If you're looking at other odds 
Um, Nikolai Ehlers to score tonight, uh, playing 3.3 to 1. I like, uh, you know, I'm a fantasy guy. I like looking at, um, you know, points props and, and goals props. Uh, I think Ehlers on the second line maybe get, get benefit from some good matchups there. Uh, so I would throw a little on Ehlers at, uh, to score tonight. Yeah, I'm just looking at some of the other numbers. Um, Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley plus 180 to score. Uh, moving down, as you mentioned, uh, Nikolai Ehlers is there at 230. PLD at plus 265. Blake Wheeler as well. Um, so, yeah, plenty of options if you want to get into that at Cool Bet. And you mentioned how easy it was to deposit. I will say this, um, and this is from personal experience, and a number of people have asked me about the site. Um, the best thing about Coolbet, in addition to the transparency, was just how easy it was to take money out. I got it in less than a day, straight into my bank account. It was um, it was a breeze compared to some of the other books that I've worked with before. So really appreciated that. A couple other interesting matchups tonight. You got Florida in Columbus. Florida road favorite at minus one thirty. Columbus kind of falling into a bit of a slump lately. Cold stretches for our. Old friends Jack Rossific and Patrick Line. Blue Jackets are at plus 110. And a straight pick em tonight between the Boston Bruins and the New York Islanders at minus 109 on either side of things. Buffalo, not surprisingly, a huge underdog in Philly. Philly laying 244 to win 100. Buffalo plus 200. So that'll return 300 if you bet 100 on the Buffalo Sabres tonight. Not that I think a lot of people are going to be doing that. And we were speaking with Frank about the Chicago Blackhawks and the season that they have had, what Patrick Kane's doing right now. They are road dogs again, going up against the Dallas Stars. If you saw the lock shop earlier, that was Dusty's dog, uh, dog pound pick today. Blackhawks at plus 127 and Dallas minus 149. And in a rematch of last night's game, another game that is a straight pick em, Vegas and the Minnesota Wild, minus 109 on each side. So go to coolbet.com. You can check out all of the odds for the National Hockey League. And being hashtag curling guy, I've got to take a quick look at the odds for tonight's uh, tonight in the Briar. Two games that I'm really interested in. Manitoba, Jason Gunlickson, huge win so far over Brendan Botcher and Mike McEwen. He's going to look to keep it going. Gunner is minus 189 favorite against New Brunswick. And I also like Botcher. Big head-to-head matchup. Northern Ontario at 3-1. Or, sorry, Alberta at 3-1. Jacobs at 2-2. Two two. I like Botcher to continue rolling after his loss to Gunner in the opening draw. So we've got Manitoba and Alberta. And stick those together. You get plus 144 in a parlay. I think that'll be the curling pick for a little bit later on tonight. So a very busy show today, Reem, and uh, I, you know it's amazing how fun this is doing it in a non-traditional radio format, being able to roll for 25 minutes or half an hour with a guy like Frank Saravelli getting in and out. But um, we do need to get out in a few minutes because, of course, we got to get these podcasts up. I, I, I want to commit to everyone that by 3 p.m., when everyone gets out of or starts to get out of work, for the folks that aren't able to join us here live on YouTube – They'll be able to uh, load that thing up into the car and start driving with us home just as they did back in the uh, in the days when we were on the uh, on the dial. But no traffic, no weather. I might drop the odd weather pop in, but uh, and no long stretches of ads. Yeah, we might have to start reading the weather. I know it's uh, quite nice out there. You're not afraid you're going to die when you go outside. Uh, I am enjoying reading the chat. Uh, you know, while you're doing the stuff with Frank, I'm you know hopping in and out trying to answer people's questions, but. 
a lot of people reminiscing about old Winnipeg restaurants, uh, namely Chi-Chi's. You got any good Chi-Chi's? Oh, fried ice cream. <laughs> fried ice cream at Chi-Chi's. Uh, absolutely. You know, the old Winnipeg Arena days, yeah. speaking of that, and anyone that was around, I mean, the Winnipeg Arena itself was, you know, a special building, but it was right beside the mall. So, you know, as a kid, you know, we'd sort of start off either at Wendy's or in the food court and then sort of make our way down into the parking lot and then into the arena. But if you're of drinking age, it seemed like Chi-Chi's, Chi-Chi's was the spot, and OB did their pregame shows there back then, very similar to what we did at Boston Pizza for the last 10 years over at City Place. And I remember as a kid going in there with my dad before a game and thinking it was so cool that that's where the guys that we listened to all the time were doing the program. And the other spot that I went to more, not before games, but while working for the Jets and then Moose at the old arena was Fingers, um, which was sort of across the parking lot. They had incredible ribs, great wings. And shout out to the Z-Man, my old partner on the uh, on the NFL Sunday ticket show. Z-Man was the big Fingers guy. He did some deal, and then he would try to trade in fantasy football trades. He would try to sweeten the pot to get a player he wanted with like a coupon for ribs or wings from Fingers. So it was uh, certainly good. But, I mean, a Wendy's guy would go to Wendy's quite a bit after the games um but man good memories of that old building on maroons road all the incredible games in there and we're getting some great uh we're getting some great memories from winnipeg hockey players in the chat as well reem let me ask you this i mean we kind of threw terry sawchuk out there jonathan taze right at the top of the list um if you had to put down the best winnipeg native in nhl history who's the first name i won't put this onto the spot yeah. because i mean there's a lot of players that are in but um, you know, do you immediately think Taves? Do you immediately think the greatness in Netta Sawchuk? Or is there a, somebody else that pops to mind? Yeah, I think it, you got you know got to say Taves. Sometimes you are so biased because it's so recent. But, I mean, you look at the number of Stanley Cups, Olympic gold medal, uh, world juniors. Um, he's been a top player, you know, Conn Smythe champion. I don't know how you don't say him. Uh, I, know, I know Terry Sawchuk, he's a legend as well. But uh, I have to go with... Sad thing about Terry Sawchuk is his career ended a lot earlier than it probably should have. You know, he had, you know, some issues off the ice that, you know, ended up with an untimely early death as well. Um, but I mean, mm. I just as a kid, I just remember growing up hearing stories about Winnipeg hockey greats. And to think that some guy had 103 shutouts in the National Hockey League was just, yeah. I mean, hard to wrap your head around. Obviously, a different era, uh, but uh, definitely. Now, we, on Andrew Haleko, I. I'm so glad he brought this up. <laughs> a big burger and beer at Fuddruckers, co-owned by Jim Kite, was a treat before games. I think there was actually three Jets that were involved in Fuddruckers. Kite was one of them. I And again, I, correct me if I'm wrong, Dave Ellett was one of them. And I think potentially maybe Arnie or Dale Howarchuk involved in Fuddruckers as well. And there are still Fuddruckers elsewhere, not here in Winnipeg. Um, but you know, you go to the States. I actually have had a Fuddruckers burger in the last two or three years, just on a road trip. Um, as a burger guy, like a wimpy, I grew up as a kid, like, you know, you know, wimpy from the, uh, the Cardinals, just the comics, just eating burgers. That essentially is me. And that might explain a few things, man. The trips to Fuddruckers were absolutely the best. Really wish we, uh, really wish we had that, uh, that spot around, um, around now, but, um, 
Uh, some more more funny ones again. That hot dog was dancing gay. Butch Goring says Wayne Nolan. Um, Butch, I mean, <laughs> four Stanley Cups with those uh, those teams uh, in New York. Pretty incredible group of players that he was with. I think I'm still think I still think I'm leaning Taves as far as the uh, player skater, and to me it kind of comes down to those two. But we've got plenty of art. Oh yeah, Adam Kuzian, Adam, thank you. Howard Chuck was part yeah. owner of Fudruckers. <laughs> And uh, it's still huge in the Texas panhandle. Um, I, even to this day, if I'm driving somewhere in the States and I see a Fuddrucker sign, I get a little bit excited and see if there's any way I can probably make it happen and get in there. I definitely have a lot of good mem- memories of the Fuddruckers uh, arcade uh, going there, if, if I recall. And I think they had a uh, yeah, the burger bar as well. Just looking at N- uh, NHL players from Winnipeg, career point totals, Andy Bathgate, number one, 973. Jonathan Taves, number two, 815. Mike Ridley, number Bathgate. three, yes. seven five eight. So those are the top three in terms of all-time point scorers of Winnipeg NHL players. Thank you, QuantHockey.com. Andy Bathgate, that's interesting. And Mike Ridley, um, you know, being a guy that went to U of M, my brother played at U of M. I worked for the U of M sports programs before popping over to TSN. Been very close with the Bison programs in the past. And the story of Mike Ridley and Stu Grimson, for that part, um, they're just incredible guys going from CIS and uh, what, what it was called at the time, university hockey in the early eighties and you no, know, not just making it to the NHL, but as you mentioned, I mean, Ridley putting up huge, huge points. I mean, both the Rangers, the Capitals in his career, um, you love stories like that, that are a little bit of a different route than, you know, just being a top 10 pick as an 18 year old and going straight to the league. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of a lot of great uh, restaurants uh, going on in the chat as well. But yeah, I, I remember uh, you know it's tough to go from college to the pros, but those are uh, some of the guys uh, who've done it. Us, you know, maybe have to hook up with those guys on the show at some point. We'll certainly have a lot of time to do that. Um, you know, that is just about enough for us today because we want to get this up in the next half hour for all the podcast feeds. Um, everyone. Thank you for joining us, everyone in the chat. I can't believe how many people are joining us live on YouTube every day. It is just incredibly rewarding to have you all supporting the way you are. As Remus mentioned, if you can hit that like button, um, spread the word, let people know. Obviously, on all of our social media feeds, we've got the links for everything. And if you're watching on YouTube, whatever your favorite podcast feed, get in there on that. Make sure you're subscribed. And if you are listening to the podcast, if you can go and rate the five-star rating if possible, and review, just put a little blurb on us. That certainly helps us as well. Um, well, that's going to do it. Remo, on the way out, um, we've got Jets, Leafs tonight, the first of three. I do have to say I think that this this is going to be a game that I think we'll find a lot out about the Winnipeg Jets. Not necessarily winning or losing, but can they continue to do complete 180s after tough games? Hopefully that's a yes and how they measure up against the team that up until this point through the first half of the season has been clearly the top team in the North Division despite a couple losses to the Vancouver Canucks coming into tonight's game. Yeah, here's the thing. What kind of Jets uh, team are we going to see? Are we going to see the one who, yeah, we know they've won a lot of their recent games, but against Montreal and one of those, I mean, they got to overtime. They were giving up so many shots, and you can't continue to play like that. But, uh, I mean, they kind of bucked the trend with Hellbuck stealing games and, you know, guys who can score, I don't want to say from anywhere on the ice, but Connor, Shifley, Ehlers. I mean, these guys have awesome, awesome shots. So um, I don't know what we're going to see. I, I'm, again, expecting a competitive game. I'm expecting a lot of uh, a lot of goals. I mean, you'd like to see that, but 
Uh, we'll see what happens. Leafs have had a couple days off. Jets a couple days off. I'm, I'm expecting rested teams. And we know what uh, what the lines are, are going to be as well. Same uh, same lineup as uh, last game versus Montreal. Tomorrow on the program, Rewin and I will have all f- our thoughts from tonight's game. And Mike McIntyre from the Winnipeg Free Press will join us to break down game number one, look ahead to game number two, as well as uh, all the latest news and notes coming out of tonight's game. Again, Jets plus 152 on the money line, Leafs minus 182. You can check that out at coolbet.com. Use promo code WST for a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit. We need to thank Not Auto Corp, Boston Pizza, Winnipeg, Royal Sports, and the Nick and Nikki DQ group for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk daily that's going to do it for us folks um thank you again for listening thanks for joining us thanks for the comments the likes we will do it again tomorrow at one o'clock p.m mike mcintyre talking jets with us recap game number one from the leafs and getting ready for game number two on thursday night for michael remus i'm andrew patterson we'll see you tomorrow at 1 p.m on the youtube channel and again in your podcast feed tomorrow at 3 p.m enjoy the game tonight Let's hope we might be able to get a little underdog winner on uh, the visitors. And we'll talk about it tomorrow on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a great night, everyone. And thanks for being with us. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com. 